welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, good, good. Everybody have a good spring break? Yeah? Yeah? I mean, we had some nice weather in Racine, too, I heard, so that's good. But then, you know, it's that thing that happens after spring break, and you're like, all right. Some of you are like, yeah, all right, my kids are back to school. I don't have to figure that out again. But I'm thankful that we get to spend this morning together. Thank you for coming in to Soul Revival Church or if you're joining us online. Great to have you see us. But I'm excited about what God has for us today. He's got some for each and every one of us. And before we jump in, I want you to know we're going to be in uh, John 21. Uh, but before we get there, just want to share something with you. So the Bible. The Bible is not something to be intimidated by. We always want to share this uh, at the start of each message because it's important. Because if you're a guest with us today, or maybe you've been here a few times, but you know, the thought of the Bible is intimidating. Don't let it be. The Bible is a love story from the God of the universe. He used man to write it, but it's a love story about him coming after us. You see, he created us because he wanted to spend time with us. But he gave us free will to make our own decisions. And because of that, sin entered into the world. Challenges because we make bad choices, so it separated us from God. But that's not where the story ends. He continues to pursue us, and it culminates with him sending his son Jesus to die for us. And it's a love story that continues beyond the Bible, but we turn to it to look at it, not as a place to figure out what rules you have to follow and what boxes you have to check so that God loves you. That's not how it works. His grace is free. But it's a, it's a guide. It gives us wisdom and guidance in how to live our lives for the fullness of our lives so that we can have a relationship with him and he can lead us in spaces and in ways to help us grow because he has the best in mind for us. He's not trying to get us just to follow rules. He's trying to set us free. So with that, John 21, I'm going to start in verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. If you're taking notes today, the title of this message is a walk down memory lane. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you. I thank you for this opportunity that we have to glorify your name. Pray that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, speak through me. Help me get out of the way for whatever it is you have for all of us to take from today. You've got a plan and a purpose through this moment and beyond. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Walk down memory lane. Some people go on trips and you might be having a walk down memory lane. You might be thinking right now like, oh, yeah. 
I wish I was last week and it's a new week starting or maybe it was last summer. Maybe it was a time or a period in your life that you like to reflect on and really inspires you about the past, a walk down memory lane. It's a term that's commonly used and everyone kind of understands it. Maybe it's a street that you drive down and you're like, yeah, this just evoked a, a feeling. I had a memory that came from it from my childhood. Or maybe as a kid, you're hanging out and you're like, yeah, I, I remember the summer because I'm really ready for school to be done. You know, spring break kind of gives you that summer vibe, but it's not really there yet. You're like, all right, how many more months? How many more months before I get a break? And as parents, how many more months? So we need to pray for more patience. Start praying for patience right now, all right? Use these three months leading up to the summer to pray for that. But there's these good emotions that come as you take a walk down memory lane. Like maybe it's with the loved one. It's like, oh, remember? You celebrate an anniversary and you look back at the photos to remember what it was. Maybe it was a graduation, different celebrations. But sometimes a walk down memory lane might not be the ideal scenario. Sometimes you find yourself back in the past and remembering things that might have caught you up or hurt you a little bit. And it's an area that I want to focus on today because some of us have been struggling with these feelings of guilt and shame and not knowing how to cope with them. So we've been in a series called In My Feelings. And uh, we paused for Easter, but we felt like there's a lot more feelings to talk about. Can I get an amen? Because we all have all kinds of feelings and emotions, but it's good to process what that looks like with the lens of who God is and his word and what his truth says about it. Because the feelings and emotions that we have are not wrong and they're not bad, but they were given to us as a way to respond to the things that we're facing, but ultimately to turn to God with it, not to the world, not to the things that might pull us further away from him. And as I was praying about this and processing it, it, it really was fitting for the time that we're looking at right now because Easter was just last week. You might be having to walk down memory lane because I, I know I was. I was celebrating. We had over eight people make the decision to step into relationship with Jesus. Like those are things we celebrate and we get excited about. Or two weeks ago we had over 700 kids show up to a candy drop with a helicopter and it was crazy and awesome. But it's cool to reflect on how God showed up and allowed us to love our city well. A trip down memory lane. But in the week after Easter, it made me think about this time right after Easter that's identified after the first Easter in the Bible. So Jesus had been resurrected and we celebrate that. And I shared it a little bit earlier that he is risen because he still is risen. But immediately following that time, the disciples weren't quite sure exactly what to do yet. Jesus just kind of told them to hang out and to wait. And he had shown up and presented himself to the disciples two other times prior to this moment. But then Peter, James, John, and a few other disciples find themselves at the Sea of Galilee again, the same space that they first met Jesus and first made the decision to follow him after Jesus gave them an invitation to follow. And as they're sitting there and they're hanging out, probably just reflecting on the last three years of this ministry, this 
teacher, this rabbi they'd been following of Jesus, and he came, he died, hearts were broken, he rose again, adrenaline rush, and now there's just kind of this waiting period of what, what's going to happen next, when are we going to see Jesus next, and probably processing all of that. You ever have those roller coaster of emotions, and you're like, man, how do I process all this? I'm feeling all the feelings. Well, here they are in that moment, and Peter's thought is, well, what's the last thing I did? before I was following Jesus, before he was leading me everywhere, and now I'm not quite sure. Let's go fishing. Some people are like, yeah, I'd like to go fishing right now. But that was his response, was the last thing that he had done, he was a fisherman. Now as he's waiting for what's going to happen next, he goes out fishing, and all the disciples with him are like, yeah, we'll come with you. That sounds good. And there's a lot of thoughts around what that meant. Some people think, oh, they just abandoned Jesus and went back to their old ways. But what really stood out to me is like Jesus still hadn't given them a direction yet. So he just went back to the last thing that he knew how to do before Jesus called him to go fish for men. And he's waiting on the next response from Jesus. Some of you right now are feeling stuck and you're feeling like, I don't know what to do next. Like, what's the last thing that you did? Because God will still meet you there. He'll still show up there. He'll still work there. And as they go out into this boat and they're trying to fish and they're fishing all night. This is not deja vu. This happened twice. They caught nothing. And as they're sitting there like, man, we got empty nets. We're hungry. We used to be good at this. I don't know. Did we lose our mojo? What are we going to do? I need some food. They hear this voice shout from the shore like, hey, you catch anything? No, we did not. Well, why don't you try throwing the net on the other side of the boat? And if you're a professional fisherman, you're probably like, yeah, don't you think I would have tried that? But they do it. And when they throw the net over to the other side, boom, they catch so much fish that they could barely pull the net in and they catch 153 fish. 153. The Bible tells us that. We don't know why the number 153 no one knows the significance of it, but it just sounds like a lot of fish. Slimy fish. As you can tell, I might not be that outdoorsy, okay? If you want to go fishing, I'll come with. If you put the worm on the hook for me, I'm down. And you got to pull the fish off of it afterwards for me too. Oh, my grandpa would be so mad at me right now. He used to make me do all of that. Nasty. Anyways, 153, they pull it into the net. And then John's like, whoa, whoa, hold up, that's Jesus. I don't know if he recognized him in that moment or if it was more that, I've been here before. This reminds me of something that happened before. He's like, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And the first thing Peter does is like, puts his jacket back on. I don't know if he was wearing a, you know, a little tank top or what. But he gets his outer garment back on and jumps into the water, which seems strange. You want to look good for Jesus. And he swims as fast as he could to get to him. He's like, there's Jesus. We've been waiting. We've seen him a couple times. And I just have to get to Jesus. And as he arrives to the shore and the other disciples roll up alongside him, they get to the beach. And Jesus is like, all right, he's already cooking some fish. It probably smells real good. And he's like, well, go grab your fish too. Bring them over here. Which I think is cool. Jesus didn't have to show up and have that miracle take place. He could have just said, hey, come on in. I got some fish. 
Got some breakfast for you guys. I know you've been working all night. You caught nothing, but I got something. But he didn't. He allowed them to see that miracle take place and then invites them in, and they had a part to play in it. And I think that's significant because with each and every one of us, sometimes we're sitting back and just waiting for Jesus to provide. Like, God, where are you? Show up, do something. He's like, no, you got a part to play in it too. You got a part in this. But as they show up and they're hanging out, Jesus breaks bread. He starts distributing it to the disciples, which probably brought them back to many other occasions. Maybe when he fed the 5,000 or the 4,000, which really was more like 10,000 or 8,000 because they didn't count women and children back then. We do. Okay. But how many thoughts might have been coming back to their minds as they're sitting there having a meal with Jesus, the risen king? Like, man, this guy was who we've been following. We believed everything he said. Then we didn't for a minute. But then we did because he's back. Now, he, he was dead like a week ago, and we're just eating with him. Did that blow anybody else's mind? Like, I try to put myself in the story. I'm like, that would be insane. And after they're done eating, this is where we're going to pick up the story. This is where we're going to pick up our text for today. You're like, man, you're just getting started? That was my introduction. Because after they're finished eating, they're sitting there, this group of about 10 of them, and then Jesus looks over at Peter. And he says, Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? Meaning more than the rest of these disciples because just a few weeks prior, Peter was like, yo, I love you more than anybody else does. More than all these dudes, I love you more than all of them. So here we are, and Jesus is asking them this question then and responding to that. And he's like, yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. My family had a farm, but I don't know much about animals, so I was researching what's the difference between a sheep and a lamb. And the lamb is a baby sheep. Anybody else know that? Everyone else knew that. Thank you. I should have asked anybody else in here. I study the Bible, okay, not animals as much. Okay, thanks, Debbie. <laughs> but a lamb is a baby sheep, which you all know. But what's really cool about that and what you can take from this and what Jesus is saying is, hey, all right, Peter, I'm calling you to lead, and I need you to feed those that are younger in their faith. I need you to help people know about who I am. Tell them about what it means to follow me. Teach them everything that I've just been teaching you. It's important. And as he shares this with them, and Peter's sitting there taking it all in, Jesus then responds again. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. So now what he's telling them is before, hey, make sure you're teaching. But it's not just teaching that's important, but you also must take care of all of the followers of Christ. So both young and old, everyone along the way, I need you to teach people, but also live it out. Take care of people, love people. At the core of everything that Jesus ever taught was love. As parents, we can teach our kids all kinds of stuff, but if we don't actually live it out and model what that looks like, if we don't take care of our kids, we can be like, hey, 
you got to make yourself some dinner. And there aren't any Pop-Tarts around. There's nothing you can put in a microwave, and all there is is a stove. Do you expect them just to go and make it? Some of you are like, yeah, I tried. That's what I had to do. But what I would do, I still don't let them touch the stove, right? We just took off those little covers recently. Our youngest turned seven today. Like, we just now took those off. <laughs> uh, but it helped me resonate with this because I'm like, yeah, you, you not only have to teach about who he is, but we also have to model it so that we can tend and care for others too. Let's love people. Let's meet them where they're at. As a core value here at Soul Revival, we feel like we're better together. And we're called to love everybody always. And we're called to lead from last. So we put others before ourselves. And that's what Jesus is telling Peter here is like, hey, it's very, very important that you not only share about who I am, but you've also got to take care and love people with the love that I've loved you with. As you follow me, bring people with you. Love people well. And then the third time he goes back to him. Could you imagine that if it was you? Like, man, he's asking me again. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. Like, man, Jesus, I keep telling you. And Jesus didn't need to know the answer. He already knew the answer. But he was helping Peter discover something here in this moment. He's like, Jesus, why do you keep questioning me in front of all my homies? <laughs> I'm the leader. I let him out to go fishing, you know. You call me rock. And now he's not even calling him rock. Peter means rock. He's calling him Simon right now, which is his name before he gave him a new name. So he's like, man, Jesus is calling me out. He's trying to teach me something right now, and I really don't understand. Anybody ever been there? You're like, man, God, I know you're trying to teach me something, but I just wish you could just make it plain for me because I'm a little confused. I need some help. Only me? Okay. But then Peter, he's like, man, come on, Jesus, I've answered this already. You you know, come on, like they're all just watching. Do you love me, he said. He says, Lord, you know I love you. You know all things. And you know this, man. Sorry. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. So now he's sharing with him the importance of feeding those that are older in their faith too. But in that moment, as he asked him these three different times, I'm curious if, if Peter was reflecting, taking a walk down memory lane on just a short time before that. See, because Jesus was speaking into something in that moment. Jesus was redeeming Peter. He asked him three times for a significant reason, for a significant purpose. Should we take a walk down memory lane? Should I tell you why? You're like, why? Can you just tell me? You're just really pausing a lot here. <laughs> well, here's the thing. When Jesus was arrested and taken to be put on trial, Peter was following along. And he rolls up to this gate where they're all hanging out and he's got to get inside of this courtyard to be able to get close enough to see what's happening. And John had already gotten inside because he had some 
hookups inside that knew who he was, like, yo, I got a guy. I got a guy. Let him in. Went and talked to his other guy, came back, and was like, all right, Peter, I got you, man. Come on in. So now Peter gets inside the courtyard. He's closer to Jesus. He's trying to follow him as best as he can as Jesus is being put on trial. And then a young lady comes up to him like, yo, aren't you one of those disciples too? And right now I'm in John 18, verse 17. And Peter replied, I am not. Like, wow. Peter, who Jesus called rock, who'd been following Jesus for three years, now goes into this space as Jesus is on trial. And he's asked, like, hey, are you one of his disciples? And his response was, I'm not. John was with him. That was something else that stood out to me today. I always thought, like, it's just Peter trying to get in there. <laughs> but go ahead. Take some time this week. Read through John 18. Because you see that it's John who got in there first. He calls himself the one Jesus loved. He never used his own name. So you got to kind of, he's kind of sneaky with it. He's like, no, I've not. And in the meantime, as that's taking place, Jesus is now being mocked. He was slapped in the face. And he's asking them, like, what, what do you want from me? I've shared everything about who I am. What else do you want from me? And while that was taking place, Peter just cozies up to this fire where there were some political officials, other servants that were still there, and they're trying to get warm. And he's asked again. Meanwhile, Simon Peter. He was still standing there warming himself. So here's Jesus being ridiculed, being mocked, tormented, abused. And Peter's just trying to get warm by the fire. And they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? See that too, T-O-O, too, like also, meaning there's someone else there that's a disciple, meaning John. But now they're looking at Peter and saying, you're not one too, are you? And he denied it, saying, I am not. And it continues, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. So just remember the lane. Just a few hours before that, when they came to arrest him, Peter was like, pulled out his knife, sliced the dude's ear off. Like, back up, don't come at Jesus. He was real pumped up in that moment because he's real close to Jesus. See, right now he's distanced a little from Jesus. The, the further you get from Jesus, the more scary life can be, the harder it could be to actually share with someone that, yeah, I'm a Christian. Because the more distant it is, the more it feels like, yeah, he's over there, and this person's like really right here, so it would be easier for me to just go, eh, I'm not going to share what I believe. That distance can do it to you. But don't feel alone in it because it happened to Peter. And he got put on blast in front of his boys and all of us and anybody else who reads the Bible. But here he is. He's denying it for a third time. Why? Why did he allow himself to do that after he just was bold enough to chop a dude's ear off? 
which don't worry, Jesus healed them. Put the ear right back. In a matter of hours, because his proximity to Jesus created this gap, he was now willing to deny that he knew who Jesus was. Had he taken a walk down memory lane in that moment? Was he processing? Was he thinking about the moments he had just taken with Jesus, the life he had just been living with Jesus for three years as he processes the fact that he just denied him for a third time? What gets me even more is when you read this this account from the, the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, verse 61, it says, The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Jesus told him it was going to happen. He denied that it would happen. But now he finds himself in this moment where it happened. So as you think about this denial next to this breakfast at the beach, it wasn't an Airbnb, okay? He was sleeping on the sand. That is why Jesus had him tell him that he loved him three times. Not because he needed to know that Peter loved him, but he's saying, no, guess what? I want to redeem that thing that you're carrying right now. See, some of you have been walking with so much guilt and shame and it's been burdening you and holding you down and you're thinking, I can't go to God with this. No way can I do that. I can't go to him. I got to get right before I come to him. He's like, no, you got it backwards. You got to come to me. Because where was Peter? He was in a boat. He found out Jesus was there. And he's like, I just got to get to him. Despite the fact that he had made those mistakes. And Jesus was intentional in this moment saying, no, I need to redeem you for the decisions you just made. Not because Jesus needed to say, hey, you're forgiven. Jesus has forgiven him because Peter came to him. But he needed Peter to know that he was forgiven. He needed Peter to know that he still had purpose. The mistakes that you've made, the decisions that you've taken on, and now you're allowing yourself to feel so heavy and burdened because the shame that's pulling you down feels too heavy to hold and that you couldn't go to God with it. And that's false. You can go to Jesus. And he'll lift that load and he'll come to you and he'll help you know that you are redeemed and restored. Jesus did not deny his purpose because of the mistakes that he made. Jesus didn't look at Peter and say, yeah, you denied me three times. That's it for you. Three strikes, you're out of here. I had a plan for your life, but that's changed now. No, Jesus told them before it even happened that he was going to deny him three times. God has seen purpose in your life before you were created. So just because you made a mistake, stop carrying that shame because it's not yours to hold. Recently, been studying this difference between guilt and shame and the correlation between two of them. Because guilt, guilt in and of itself is not a bad thing. You make a mistake, are you innocent or guilty? You're guilty, right? 
You're guilty of whatever you did. And it doesn't just have to be a crime. I'm not just thinking of people that might have got arrested for something, but, you know, you got caught red-handed. You snatched another cookie after dinner. It was delicious. But you're guilty. You got caught by mom or dad. You're guilty. It's okay to feel guilt, but it's not okay to carry it. It's what you do with it that matters. See, because when guilt turns into shame, now you feel this sense of defeat, humiliation, like you're not good enough, like you're just an awful person, so you can't go to God, you can't go to anybody, you can't talk to anybody about it because you're just carrying this secret sin with you that you've been struggling with for so long this addiction to drugs and alcohol or maybe to pornography, and you're like, oh, I just feel this, this shame, this shame that's just got me because I know that it's not pleasing to God. See, condemnation, there is no condemnation in Christ. So when you're feeling that side of shame, you're living in condemnation, and that's not from God. That is the enemy trying to pull you down and keep you further and further from who he is. Because through Jesus, there's a conviction, though. He stirs our heart through his Holy Spirit. He wants to change us. That's what he wants to do. He wants to transform us, and he wants to forgive us. The same way that he came to Peter on that shore, and he's hanging out there with all the other disciples, and he's like, hey, I want to redeem this real quick. Let's have a conversation. He wants to do the same for you. So you have a choice. You go toward God or away from him. Because that conviction that's there, man, yeah, you're guilty. Own it and say, God, I'm going to come humbly to you. I'm going to repent. Repent means turn from what you were doing and go toward God. Different direction. So, God, I want to come towards you. I made this mistake. And he's like, yeah, I'll redeem that. I still love you. Doesn't mean that there aren't consequences of the choices that we make. Peter still had to wrestle with that in his heart, the fact that he denied who Jesus was. But Jesus is saying, you're forgiven and you're loved. But that sense of condemnation will say, I can't go to church. I can't go around Christians because they're just going to see right through me. I got to just hang out here in the dark, in the shadows. They'll just see it on my face. Woo! That is exactly what the enemy wants. There's a real enemy. That is seeking our souls, trying to take us out and prevent us from living in the purpose God has for us. See, but Jesus right now, he wants to redeem that in your life. He wants to transform your heart. He wants to bring you into new spaces because the purpose he has for you has not changed just because of the decisions you've made. Because the struggles that you have. So do not allow the fact that you have guilt turn into shame. I'm guilty. Own it. Use that conviction to turn toward God and say, God, change my heart. I need your help in this. And when you live in community with other people too, the things you might be struggling with, you can go and talk to someone like, hey, can you help me? Here's an area in a safe space because that's important for us to be able to connect with each other on the areas and the struggles we have within our life because that guilt that you're carrying that's turning into shame and you're feeling so burdened and overwhelmed and broken and like you're not worthy and God doesn't love you and he can't care about you because look at what you've done. That is a lie. There is freedom in Christ. That's why he died and rose again. Because none of us are perfect. Just the thought of the sin is the sin. 
That's how Jesus changed and flipped the gospel about the kingdom of who God is. Just to think about doing something. You're like, oh, that's really harsh. No, the reason why Jesus says that is like, hey, I'm putting everybody on the same page. Everyone is on an equal playing field because we all fall short of the glory of God. There's only one who was ever perfect, and that was Jesus. So the rest of us need him. And he wants to transform our hearts. But we can't keep letting guilt turn into this shame that we're carrying and we're hiding with it. Because it's killing you. And then you try, what's the next way to numb the pain? What's the next way to numb the pain? What's the next way to numb the pain? Before you know it, you're like, man, I'm so far away. Why even try? But guess what? Jesus, he's coming to the shore and he's yelling out, hey, you got any fish? No? Why don't you try throwing it on the other side? Why don't you try walking a different way? Why don't you try doing things differently? And guess what? I'm here with you, though. I got you. I'll give you what you need. Here's some bread. Here's some fish. I'll hook you up, but there's a part you have to play in it. That's how good he is. See, if we walk back on this memory lane even a little bit further in John 13, as Jesus, before he was arrested, was talking to his disciples, he said, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus is sharing with his disciples that it all comes down to love. That's why he was asking Peter, do you love me? Reminding him, yes, of course you do, but you need to remember that because Jesus loves him. Jesus loves each and every one of you. He's saying, all right, the way I'm loving you right now, it doesn't change based on the decisions you've made. And guess what? You can love others that same way. And we can help walk with each other. Because we don't have to be shackled by the guilt that we have. We can be freed from it. Because Jesus counted up the cost and you were worth it. He paid the price. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Wait, did he start telling them this after he just called them out in front of his boys at the beach? The beach boys? No. This happened way before that. And Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, you can't go where I'm going right now, but you will. He knew the decisions Peter was going to make. He knew it. Want me to prove it? Continue. I'll just keep reading. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Will you really, though? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. 
See, someone in here needs to know today that the decisions that you made and the things that are keeping you from going to God, God knew you were going to do before you ever did them. Before it was a thought in your mind, but he still loved you the same. And it doesn't change. His love for you never changes. But how you respond out of that guilt is what's important because that guilt can turn to shame and you can allow yourself to stay beaten down and broken and lost and hurting and alone. The enemy wants to isolate you. God's saying, no, I see it. I know what you're about to do, but I still love you. It doesn't change it. So I want to bring us back to the beach now. John 21, verse 18, where Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. This is Jesus talking to Peter. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And he said to him, Follow me. Saying, Look, You have a purpose. There is a cause that you will die for. There is a call on your life. And you made the mistakes. I knew you were going to do that. But still, come follow me. It doesn't change the plan for you. Family. He knew the mistakes you'd make. Didn't change his plans for you. Didn't change the purpose that he has for you. He's still saying, follow me. And you got a part to play and you can say, yes, I will or no, I won't. But when you choose to live a life not following Jesus and running away from him because of the decisions you've made and the pain that you're living in, you continue to find yourself just carrying these burdens of shame that are not meant for you to carry, that Jesus has freedom for. Stop living in that condemnation because that's not from Christ. Turn, repent, turn toward God and say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. I will follow you because you love me and I love you. Peter's love for Jesus. Jesus is saying, hey, I'm not counting your mistakes against you, but I want to see your heart. I want you to know that you can love me because when you love Jesus and you go after Jesus, he changes everything else. He works on our hearts. He transforms our minds. You have to make that decision and say, yeah, I'm not going to carry that. I'm not going to carry that shame anymore because Jesus will give me freedom from it, give me healing from it. But that healing comes when you follow him. But the death that Peter died is he was also crucified for his faith in Jesus. That road following Jesus might not always be super easy. And as you're facing the things you've been carrying for a while, it might take some healing to get through. But it doesn't change his love for you. And he'll work through them and he'll help you and he'll guide you through it. Just keep following Jesus. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. See, here's this walk down memory lane. Now they're walking down the beach and the other disciples are following them. And Jesus is still talking to Peter. Lord, who is going to betray you? That's that's who John is. John just never says his own name. It's hilarious. 
But when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? See, I was going to stop the message right before that because I'm like, man, that seems like a good spot to close. But I was like, no, we need to hear this. We need to hear this because it's really easy to get caught up in what someone else has done, the decisions someone else has made. What about that person? What about her? What about him? Why is their life so easy? Why is their life so hard? Focused in all these wrong directions. And Peter's doing the same when it comes to John. Like, what about him? Like, you're telling me I'm going to have a hard death. Like, what about John? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Jesus. Not like this have to, but like I have to, like I must, I must get to him. Like Peter in that boat, when he hears that Jesus is off the shore, like he just must get to him and he jumps out and he swims and he goes after him. Live with that kind of passion after Jesus and watch what he does with your life. Leave that shame behind you because Jesus will redeem it. And for someone in this room right now, You might say, what does that look like? How do I start following Jesus? Where does that story begin? Because as I think about the walk down memory lane that is my past, it's so broken. And you're telling me I can come, but what does that look like? What is that next step? The good news is we don't have a course for that. There's no certain steps you have to follow in order to earn it. Jesus gave his life freely when we didn't deserve it. And God's word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It is a response. So right now within your heart, if you're feeling that and you're like, yeah, I believe that. I believe that Jesus is what I'm hearing about. Jesus is this Messiah that came and died for us, but he rose again. I believe that. I'm going to ask if everyone would bow your heads and close your eyes because on on the count of three here, if that's you today, I just want to ask you if you'd shoot your hand in the air and say, I believe. It's that response. It's this belief within my heart, so now I'm going to confess it with my mouth. I believe. And as you say it, whether you feel like you want to say it loudly or you just say it quietly, God can hear it. But respond by also throwing your hand in the air. This physical response to what God's doing. One, you need to know that Jesus, Jesus died for you. Two, he is coming up to that beach and he is yelling out to you and saying that he is there for you and he is meeting you right in the middle of your mess. And three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand in the air today? Would you raise it high? Would you say, yes, I believe. I want a relationship with Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else, you feeling that urge and you're like, I just gotta, I gotta make that decision. I gotta take that next step. All right, you can go ahead and put your hands down. God, I thank you for those who made that decision today. I thank you for the love that you have and the sacrifice you made. I thank you that you see our sin as far as the east is from the west. And God, I thank you for how much you love us and care for us and meet us in the middle of our brokenness. But we praise you that you give us freedom from it. 
We thank you, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate everyone who made that decision today? Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.